Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to James Adams. James, do you want to say hi? Hey, guys. Uh, I don't think they're going to respond, but... No, probably not. <laughs> it's funny. You're the fourth person I've talked to today, two for my Angular story and two for my JavaScript story. I've only talked to one person in the U.S. <laughs> right, okay. Where has everyone else been? Bulgaria and... Or where was the other one? If I look at names... Oh, Denmark. Okay. And so Europe. Yep. And then I talked to somebody in Tennessee. And okay. then I have another my Angular story this afternoon with somebody in Portland. So Right. I'm down in Australia for those listening. Awesome. So uh completely different time zones. But I actually worked out really well. All the sessions were in the middle of the night, and then there's just one that worked out nicely at eight AM. Oh nice. Yeah, I kinda open it up for different times for different shows. I'm working on a better system. But I haven't launched it yet because I haven't finished coding it. So, Okay. You're not using something off the shelf? No. I used Schedule once for a long time. But yeah. with all the calendars that I was managing through it, it started to get expensive. Yeah. I had a couple issues with it. And ultimately, I kind of want just one tool to manage my entire podcast workflow. So that's what I'm working on. Yeah. Fair enough. I think it was, there's also Mixmax was another email plugin that, I was, that had like a schedule thing built into it but it's probably overkill because it does a whole bunch of other things. Yep. Anyway, you want to introduce yourself real quick and just tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I've been working in JavaScript for, well, I think a year and a half now, two years. Before that, I was at uni. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked at a few different companies and somehow just found JavaScript. Uh, I sort of landed. I was, I was pretty lucky to... Um, I started in a big company and I guess I could have been put anywhere in, in the grad role and ended up on the on a pretty well-run like web dev team so straight away off the bat i was really uh, learning like knockout js and then saw i eventually discovered react js yeah that's about it i don't know i only started programming when i went to, into uni before then it was just like this black box it was like cool this is programming you know it's just something i've never heard of and do. so i went to uni to study uh, maths and chemistry originally but yeah now, now i'm here and uh, so, keen on javascript yeah I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that you got into programming at the university. What was it? I mean, if you were going to like study math and chemistry, what was it about programming that got you yeah. to say, oh, this is the thing? It was just like my whole life, I always enjoyed like solving problems, even just for like for the fun of it. And that's why I really like maths. And I got into, I think the, the so first course we did was, you know, like a foundations of computing course. And it was in Python and it was solving some, just, you know, some pretty basic problems like with a combination of so UI, I think it was like some ant in a maze problem. Uh -huh. And just like the, how rewarding it is when you finish solving the problem, the actual act of working on the problem was so thoroughly enjoyable. I don't know, it just came as a shock. It was like for maths, it's like, you know, you solve some problems on paper, it's rewarding as well, but it's less like tangible, less like you're actually building something. Right. Or like you're solving things on paper. 
so yeah, I could take all that problem solving goodness from maths and bring into programming, actually make stuff. So the, the decision was pretty like cut and dry. No, I definitely identify with that. I mean, I, I did a ton of math. I was in all kinds of math contests and stuff in junior high and high school. Okay. And yeah, I also just got into an electronics program in high school. Okay, and so you would have started on some C and some assembly. We did some assembly. Mostly it was, we would just build circuits that, you know, did different things. So um, we built a little robot that would follow a black line on a white floor and it just yep. used transistors, right? And so yeah. the phototransistor wouldn't have enough ump to push the signal through the, the transistor. And so it would, you know, it would turn off the current to the motor on one end and, you know, so the other would keep going and it'd turn. And so uh, okay. it, was all, it was all very analog. But I took electronics all three years in high school. And so by the third year, we were actually playing with 8088 chips. And, you know, we were actually sending the byte codes in through pins on the chip and that's awesome do, do stuff so that it was pretty interesting but it's um yeah i don't know it seems like in the u.s that you get to do way cooler things in um in high school like i mean i, I had a fantastic education but like we never touched anything with electronics like besides you know hooking up some wires for a light bulb and like mm -hmm. you know there was no programming whatsoever like it's just really hard for like just maths you know your sciences and like social sciences sort of thing like english and history but it would have been cool to discover programming a bit earlier. Yeah, my experience is mostly that for me in high school, especially, I got to do the really interesting things because I stuck it out and, you know, did, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth year of things. So, right. Okay. I got to do really fun and interesting things in my French class because you I took my first year of French when I was 12. Yeah. So, by the time I was 17, you know, we were, you know, we were doing really interesting stuff. Uh, reading it says it. about like the the value of like going deeper into something like when you yeah. commit a bit longer for like or longer relationships or whatever yeah you um, end up reaping some better benefits than if you'd just gone shallower on like more topics yep so yeah so uh as far as electronics went it really just came down to that i stuck it out for three years and so the first year yeah we were building little circuits that you know turned on and off a little uh led and yeah by the second year, we were building little robots. And by the third year, we were playing with computer chips. Awesome. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> enough about me. <laughs> you get into programming, you're doing Python and things like that. How did you get into JavaScript? So it's a bit of a roundabout way, actually, because we didn't touch JavaScript until I was in my third or third-ish year, because um, I went on exchange to to the Hebrew University in, uh, in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And uh, there I took a whole bunch of courses. And most of them were pretty uh, a bit more hardcore one was on communication networks one was on like theoretical crypto all crazy stuff because it's all in hebrew as well so it was like a, a good oh, test wow. <laughs> and yeah the other subject was it's pretty much like like an intro to web development and it was all in in node so i think it was more like you know more back-end stuff not too many like this was before sbas were a thing like i don't know the react and angular didn't even come up in the course like that, you know, they're probably like, they were definitely a thing, but like mm -hmm. it went in the university curriculum. So you know, we did something. I think we wrote some, uh, like a, built some static or dynamic. We pretty much built Express in Node as part of the course, like uh, oh, wow. projects, which are really cool, right? Like learning low level, like what a static or dynamic web server does. Mm -hmm. but then I never touched JavaScript again until my like my gig at it was a company called Iris. So it's like financial trading software. 
I got put on the, the okay. web dev on a, a front end product for trading shares. That whole front end was is built in like it's got like TypeScript knockout components, and then they start to slowly incorporate more React into it. Yeah, so I got in there, and and then I was just enamored. Like I was like, oh wow, this is really cool. Like I don't know. I think it was more to do with like the ecosystem than the actual programming language itself at, at first. Like you know, there were so many cool tools and, and tutorials and everything out there that I was just like spending a lot of time outside of work learning what I didn't know and what I wasn't using right. at work. Yeah, and then the last like six months at that gig, I was pretty much doing React stuff, and we're doing some really really cool things. So I just just got just got into it and and found that I wanted to work mainly in like React rather than supporting some old school stuff. That's when I made a transition. Gotcha. So how did you get your first programming job? So I was uh, six months away from finishing uni, and I hadn't even thought about getting a job. Were you still in Israel, or were you back in Australia? Ah, uh, uh, so this was yeah. This was just just as I got back. Okay. I eventually went back for another month, but this was, I guess, in the little in-between stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, cool. Well, maybe I'll just start applying. So I wasn't, I don't know, I thought maybe I'll take a year off and go travel or something, or maybe I'll, I don't know, I, I just hadn't, <laughs> for some reason, it hadn't occurred to me that I should be looking for a job. So I started looking for you know, a few days and eventually applied for, I think I applied for only for like one or two jobs and I uh, ended up accepting a grad position with IRAs. And then, but that actually wasn't my first programming job because... Once I was talking to a friend who was, he has his own startup and he was a bit, like, I guess, more switched on about these things. And when he found out I was looking for a, a job, he just sort of shared my resume around. I got in touch with a small startup, like three or four people doing uh, e-commerce automation stuff. And um, they were working out of a, a co-working space just around the corner from uni. So I actually ended up doing a 20-hour week contract with them for the, my last six months of uni. But that was all, all Ruby. Oh, good old Ruby. Yeah. So I haven't touched it since, but... But that was pretty fun at the time. Nice. It's kind of funny how that works out, right? I, I think the first couple of jobs I got, I got it by doing the, I guess, the normal job search where you uh, send your resume everywhere. I call it spray and pray. You, spray send, and pray. Your res- you send your resume everywhere and then, uh, you know, hopefully you hear back from somebody and get an interview. But after that, I, the best jobs I found were the ones that I found because I knew somebody. Either they yeah. sent yeah, my yeah, resume yeah. around or... <laughs> They recommended me at the company they worked at, and I don't know if that's I think it, yeah. When it's a bit more selective as well, like I think. So sorry, cut out there for a second. No, go sorry, ahead. What'd you say? Oh no, I was just saying that. Um, yeah, when you when you make that, I, I guess further on you get a bit more selective, and it's like, cool, you want to work this, for this particular company for X reasons, or you know someone there, and you you've gotten some insider information about how the company's run, and it's it's usually a I think a better experience than going in like without any any idea about about how, how, oh, you know, if you just need a job, so you're spraying, praying. <laughs> yep. Well, and I'm actually writing a book about this. And yeah, it, it's essentially how to get how to get a job by getting noticed at a company. And the best way is just to get recommended by somebody that works there. Yeah. Yeah, which speaks volumes about actually uh, getting out there in the community, meeting yep. people that are doing stuff that you're interested in. Yep, exactly. But yeah. So what have you done in JavaScript that you're excited about or proud of? So I guess I'll, I'll give a bit more history because I mean, I've been talking about like what I've been doing uh, when I was my last key, but I'm in a really, really cool company now called Drawboard. So we're doing, it's like real-time PDF collaboration software for the building construction industry. So it's almost like Google Drive for, for architects or for builders. So they, you know, they get the schematics and they annotate it and it's live syncing across whoever's using the application. So some cool stuff that we're 
doing there. I guess recently I gave a talk at Melb.js, which is just like our monthly like JavaScript meetup in Melbourne. So because we're across a few different platforms, we've got an iOS application, we've got a UWP, Universal Windows yep. app, and, and a web app. And that all links to a, you know, like a .NET backend. And about six months ago, we were having trouble keeping feature parity between the iOS and the web platforms. And now the iOS app application was just, you know, mostly Swift, a little bit of Objective-C. But I had a bit of a crazy idea to put React Native into it and somehow see if I could integrate it into the existing architecture. And that worked. So after, you know, nice. a few digging and like following some pretty like involved guides, like there's a, a good guide on the React Native docs, which is integrating with existing React Native applications. But, you know, every app is its unique little sunflower. So yeah, that, that happened. We managed to ship a feature really quickly that otherwise wouldn't have gone out for a long time. And we're able to reuse a lot of our code from the web because our, our web app is built in React Redux. It's, it's pretty much all functional as well. So it's all like using Recompose and our own right. like higher order components. So I, it's, that's something that was pretty cool. And it seems, I, I thought more people were doing it, but then when I gave a talk and, you know, made a few posts on Medium and all that, people were pretty like, oh, cool. I didn't know that you could do that. Like they always thought, a lot of people, the com- I think the common knowledge is that you, you just, you want to use React Native, you start a new application. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think people were as, as aware that you can just integrate into existing applications. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I didn't know that either, honestly. Okay. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's. Do you mean you didn't know it until now, or? Yeah, I I, I had never thought about integrating React Native into a native app. I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my 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 uh, perspective beforehand as well. But it's really cool because you end up like you need to do something a bit more like native or something a bit like more that has to be optimized or whatever. Like I don't know for for our, our specific example, you have like a a full on PDF canvas and you're drawing across it and all that. And that might be really hard to do in, in React Native because I don't know if anyone's done complete wrappers on like Canvas and SVG and all that. So I was able to leave that stuff alone. You click a button and you enter React Native view and so you can do whatever you want in there. Nice. That's awesome. So what are you working on now? Right now, so we just built out a few more features for the... For actually, so uh, we worked on a feature. I think there's a joke out there that says that every software platform eventually builds Jira. <laughs> um, so we built issue management into our application. It's called Booklet. So we initially did that on the web, and it's you know it's a way of raising issues on drawings. And it's pretty cool. Like you know you you pin an issue onto a drawing, and then you can add some information about it, and it comes with like a, a timeline, so people can have like a conversation on there. But we had the same problem on iOS that it was never going to get built until uh, unless like for you know for six months down the track, unless like we built it in, in JavaScript because the iOS team just had other priorities at the moment. So did that recently. We're also uh, working on some uh, integrations with some ex- external parties. So that's been pretty cool. Like we initially did some front end like hackathon ideas, but now we're just routing everything back through the back end. And it's pretty cool to be able to get, basically it's, it's bringing in drawings from company or Procore. So it's like, yeah, just a, a way of integrating our two applications. So that's been pretty fun. I've made, managed to jump into the back end as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been a bit, you know, against the against ideas jumping into something that's not JavaScript, but it's, it's been pretty cool. Like that's in sub backends in C sharp. It's just been eye opening to see like common patterns, things that are like different across the platforms. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think I've heard of Procore. I'm not sure why, but yeah, they're they're, they're in the US and they're a pretty big big company. I think they started a startup as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, cool. So I'm a little curious, and and I like I mentioned before, you know, I've talked to a whole bunch of people that aren't in the U.S. and every country and every community is a little bit different with the programming community. 
So I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious what it's like to be a developer in Melbourne. Well, I don't know. I've never been a developer anywhere else. So I guess this is <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I don't know. Like it, I think that Melbourne, for the, the size of the city that it is, still has a, a, a bit to go compared to what I hear about the US and particular communities there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's a pretty big startup community in Melbourne. Um, there's lots of big companies as well. I don't know there's from for JavaScript at least like there's definitely like there's there's Melb.js, which is every month which is really cool right and that's put on at Zendesk's office and then you have also like a React meetup which is at Kogan's office I don't know yeah I mean I don't know how many what the stats are about how many developers there are but it seems like I I mean, maybe I just run in similar circles but I tend to meet lots of software engineers right um, it sounds like you've got a pretty healthy community down there which yeah. is nice one thing that came out of talking to for example, the developers in Bulgaria and Denmark, and those were both from my Angular story, but, but it's interesting to talk about is, so they live near major cities. And so they're like, okay. yeah, you know, I know a lot of people here and, you know, they kind of explain, you know, describe the same thing that you're talking about and the same thing that I've experienced here, but you get very far outside of the cities and you tend not to have a strong developer community. I wonder what that's like, like whether you, you I mean, if you want to be a part of the community, like, is that something that you, you find valuable or useful or like, do you then end up spending a bit more time online and joining? Cause you know, there's infinite online communities out there, so much happening on Twitter and all that. So do you do to feel a part of what's happening in, in your industry? Do you spend more time online? If you I don't know. Cities? I don't know. But like, yeah, I mean, even here in Utah, if you don't live on what we call the Wasatch front, which yep. is uh, basically, you know, there's the main highway corridor that runs from Provo to Ogden. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of hard. I mean, there's a community further north in in Logan. Yeah. But, you know, off the main beaten path outside the, you know, kind of the, the four or five major urban areas, it, you know, there really isn't a tech scene to go off of. That's interesting because like in Australia, you really only have like, I don't know, five or six main cities. And yeah. if you're going to be a, a software engineer, you're going to have to live in one of those unless you're 100% remote. Yep. So pretty much the same you- here. Yeah. Okay. But I guess in the US, you've got lots of medium-sized cities, which we don't really have in Australia. You have like your big cities and then you have your tiny little cities that are like, there wouldn't be any tech companies in. Yeah. We're, we're kind of in the same boat here. I mean, Salt Lake City is what, 2 million people? Okay. You know, and then Provo is probably what, half a million, quarter of a million people, you know? And, and so anyway, some of these other cities are getting... Okay. And then you smaller than for the area, but... But yeah, a lot of tech companies are moving here because they can find people who will do the work and stuff like that. And, you know, so, so we're kind of medium cities here. Do you have like tech companies actually moving locations to, to get more devs? Yeah. So a lot of the larger companies, Facebook's putting in data center like 20 minutes from my house. Okay. Uh, we have other companies like Hewlett Packard, Disney, and a bunch of other companies that you know have built satellite offices here. Okay, so yeah, it's more like bigger companies starting out like a second, like a second infinite yeah. nth office. And right? then like, yeah. in my head, I was imagining like a big startup, just or like you know twenty small startups. Like, oh, cool, right now we're going to move to the middle of Utah. There are a bunch of startups here too. The startup scene is picking up. Yeah. But you also have the same kind of thing in Austin, for example. Okay. And yeah, I've heard good things about Austin. It's another medium-sized city, so yeah, yeah. But we also we're also fairly large land land-wise, and so you know we, we can have more tech hubs more spread out. Yeah, and, I mean you've also got way more people as well. Yeah, we're our population's at twenty-two or twenty-three million at the moment. 
And I think yeah. we're we're bigger than the US, not including Alaska. Uh-huh. And you compare that to the population density in the US. It's like yeah, we're three hundred percentage how many how many deaths is gonna be. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah. It's it's definitely interesting to see what the differences are. But it sounds like your experience is fairly similar to what we see here, right? If you're yeah. if you're in a city that has a tech community, you're set. And if yeah, you're not, you're probably going to figure something out so you can do remote work. I always find it really uh, like interesting how, how people will spend years being a programmer, but they won't get involved in the community at all. It's just something they're not interested in. Like they don't, they're surprised when I tell them there's meetups out yeah. there. It's just like, they're just not interested. Like either they've, you know, they've been and not found what they're looking for in these communities and just left. But like, oh, I found a, like a really cool part of being in like a, an industry that people really give a shit about their jobs. Yep. Like, yeah, that's definitely yeah. interesting. And it's funny yeah. too, in writing this book, I, I talked to a bunch of people and I'm like, you know, after I get through the, don't you think it'd be easier to find a job if you had somebody recommend you for it? Yeah. Then it's, well, how do I meet these people? And I'm like, go to a meetup and I get this blank look. Humans, they're funny creatures. All you have to do is you put out your hand, even yeah. if you mumble something, they're going to shake it and then you start talking. Like, I don't know, like, I think people also get really intimidated about um, meeting new people at meetups, but everyone's so nice that, I don't know, like it's, it's pretty yeah. easy. Well, it's interesting too, because some of the people I talked to, you know, they didn't live in a major city. I think the one that I'm thinking of in particular, they lived kind of over by Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. Um, and the main tech hubs, I think down there are in Orlando. Orlando has a huge tech community. Yeah, uh, or maybe Miami or like something. Like Miami. Yeah. And so... It's a bit of a schlep if they didn't go there just for a meetup. Yeah, but but they were like, well, we don't have any groups out here. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, oh, yeah, there, there are no groups out here. So I went on meetup.com, put in their zip code, told it to look within 20 miles. And there were like a dozen groups in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get it. If they're, if they're not interested, then like that's yeah, that's cool. But I think they're, but, they're missing out on some really cool parts of being in software. Well, and a lot of people, they, they think, oh, well, I'm not in the main hub, so there isn't a group here. And it turns out yeah. there is. Yeah. Yeah, so they want to Yeah, agreed. Yeah. One thing that's really cool is that you'll have communities for, like, in a big enough city for really niche things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure, like, you, if you've, you know, you'd look for, like, languages that aren't even used, like, that much, but have a bit of a cult following, like, you'd find meetups for, or, like, the concept, like, functional programming or yep. anything like that. Well, and there are online groups too, right? I mean, there's a functional programming group here in Salt Lake, but okay, you, know, you go join the forum or the mailing list or whatever and get involved. And that, yeah. that's a great way to go. And if, if there's I mean, any kind of demand involved. for it across the US, usually they're more willing to hire remote. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we, uh, I, I never got, really got into functional programming until I started at Drawboard. And now that's pretty much all I can speak about. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that it's become kind of a thing in the React community. Yeah, it's so it's so like you know before I was when I was writing, I actually gave a talk about this at um, the Melbourne React meetup, and um, I don't know like every <laughs> when I when I first started writing React, it was just the typical way you know classes everywhere and like yeah that, that that's how you're writing and you can't reuse anything, and then start using recompose and it's like code sharing everywhere, nothing's you don't ever use the class or the new keywords, yeah, um, and I get this really really awesome integration with our from our web into our iOS application. So it's like you just steal all the, the non-view logic that becomes, you know, like you just enhance your view logic components inside your React Native code. And you can, there's people that are even, there's crazy things happening like React Native web and React Native primitives. So mm-hmm. you can write 
like one thing that represents either a div in in the web or yeah. a view in React Native. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's like a lot, lots of light bulb moments when I worked out how much you can actually share. Yeah, well, and that's that's one thing that's super nice too is it's like, hey, it's just logic. So so unless yeah. the concern is different, the logic is going to be the same. And when every logic is divided into such small chunks, it's like, you know, just compose these functions together and you end yep. up with application. Yep, true. Yeah, like All we right, stole well, our entire data layer. I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I uh, know. Yeah, I was saying we saw like our entire data layer, like all our Redux integrations, and it's like, and, and then all you had to do was compose some view logic, and you're done. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of the idea, right? Is anything that's shared, yeah, you just put in some functional component or functional piece, and you hook it up. And yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump in and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business, or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter dev chat in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, so before before this talk, me and um, Charles were talking about tweet mashup. So I saw some stuff about with uh, people mesh, meshing up with like Dan Abramov and stuff. So we've got some pretty funny tweets out. So shout out to tweet mashup. Yep. What's your Twitter handle? Maybe I should do a mashup of, on yours. Yeah, I'm at James Adam Zero. <laughs> See what we get. Something with uh, politics and React maybe. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay, what do we get? Our tweet is the future advertising. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> are you are you the advertising or am I the advertising? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just tweeted it. So if you're wondering, yeah. <laughs> if you're wondering when we recorded this, you can go back through my timeline, I guess. <laughs> That's so good. That's awesome. Anything else you want to shout out about? Ah, oh, I think that that's it. Yeah, I don't know. What about yourself? So I'm going to do a pick or two. Let's see. I do so many of these and then I run out of things to pick. And I don't do any and, and <laughs> now I'm on the spot. Yeah. So uh, one thing, and I'm going to hold this up to the camera so that James can see it. <laughs> I'm only releasing the audio. It's, it's uh, glorious. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? And if I didn't tell you what it was, you'd be like, what is that? So uh, it's a presser, pressure switch for my furnace. Because between podcasts today, I've been fixing my furnace. And so... One thing I'm just going to pick is is Google because in general I'm I'm not in love with Google generally, but man, if you've got to find an appliance part that you need today because it's gotten <laughs> cold, today, it's going to be cold for a few more days. I, I think the high to yeah the high today is supposed to be like 56 degrees. I yep. can't remember what that is in Celsius. What like 15 degrees maybe? 
And uh, yeah, 56 tomorrow, 52 on Wednesday, 50 on Thursday. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's not comfortable. Well, let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys get down to like to much lower than that when it, when it hits the middle of winter, right? Oh, yeah. And the winter here in Utah, it gets, I mean, we get down to zero degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, jeez, that's like minus 20 or something. It's like minus 15, minus 20 Celsius. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah. But it anyway, my wife's minus 17. So, so, yeah, so I, I like that. Get, a, get that part. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get the part today, hopefully, and, and we'll get her fixed. But yeah, when I'm fixing appliances, one of the things that I've found that is really helpful is besides calling my father-in-law, who can usually just say, look for this. <laughs> <laughs> right is uh, a lot of times I can go find a YouTube video. Yeah. And so it's how to fix blah, 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 model number appliance. Oh, you like, always find it for the, even the most like niche parts yeah. or machine. I don't yeah. like my exact model of car. Like I've got, I mean, I, I'm lucky I've got a pretty standard car, like it's a Subaru Outback mm-hmm. from like 2001. It's like, I look up a very specific, like how to replace the fuel pump. And there'll be a video of some guy just like, okay, so here's what you do. And then you, it's like, here's the things to look out for. Here's the exact part that you need. You, know, you can yep. just get the generic part. Like, yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's exactly what I wind up doing on my cars, uh, you know, and I'm, I, I know enough to be dangerous. So if I have a little bit of guidance, I can usually get it fixed fine. Yeah. Uh, I like that expression. And the other, yeah. The other thing is just doing a quick look up on Google for like blah, 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 appliance parts. And uh, yeah, usually find a place that has it. So. Yeah. Anyway, I'm hoping that I can get one. It's not too far away. <laughs> yeah. I did want to actually give a shout out before because uh, it just occurred to me now. I should probably give a shout out to, um, I guess, all the, the mentors that I've had. Like, I've been really lucky, like, in the last two years. I mean, I've worked my, my ass off, but I don't think I would have been as encouraged or anything if I hadn't worked with some really, really smart people that were actually able to give me the time to, or like, you know, gentle pushes and nudges in the right direction to guide to make sure I'm investing my time in the right things or, you know, that I, it's worth working on these harder things. I, I don't think I'd be where I am today without those pushes in the dark, right direction. Right. So anyone you want to name in particular? Or? Uh, I was pretty lucky to work with a, a, guy, a guy called Lucas who works on, I think he's at, at As on, um, on Twitter. He worked on, uh, he works on Prettier a fair bit. Oh, um, nice. so I worked with him at Ires, and he was really good, taught me a, lot, a whole bunch of, of stuff. And who I currently work with mainly is a guy called GC. Who just has taught me a fair bit of functional programming, so that's been awesome. Nice. At as as an uh, as. Uh, a z z. I love talking to people from Australia. Z z. Yeah, she said, I'm sure I'd be happy to jump on um on my JavaScript story as well. So maybe get him on. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Shout out to As to get him on here. <laughs> yeah. He's been all right. Funded. Very cool. Well, yeah, that's all the picks I've got. So. Yeah. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Th- thanks for coming, man. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on. Um, Do you have a blog or anything people can check out? We already called out your Twitter. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too present. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to post a little bit on Medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess the easiest way to find me is I've just got a little now site, like a now deployment, which is at uh, james.now.sh. Yeah, I need to actually get around to having a better domain. Uh, but yeah, everything on me is, is on there, GitHub and all that. All right, perfect. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we will be back next week with more JavaScript stories. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.